0: Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to episode 24. Uh, we're going to call this one the Steve Cast. And on today's Steve Cast, we're going to have an interview with a special guest. We're going to have a little bit of news. And something I want to get out of the way before we get started is this Saturday is International Female Ride Day. On May 7th, If you're a female or if you support females, get out and ride. There's a lot of group events going on all over the country and actually internationally. Uh, And if you go to motoress.com, M-O-T-O-R-E-S-S.com, there you can download a printable flyer and tape it to whatever you got. You know, print it out, tape it to your windshield, tape it to your face, tape it on your back. And uh, get out there and enjoy a ride with somebody. Support women writers and have a good time. All right, let's get into the show. So episode 24 is a special episode because we have another guest from the great state of Wisconsin. I would call it the great white north, but I think they're coming out of their uh, winter freeze right now into a nice spring thaw. Uh, Steve is going to be our guest tonight on the show and Steve's real name is Michelle Mankowitz. If you go to our website, Michelle was courteous enough and kind enough to offer us like her in her own words, the story of her experience as a female motorcycle <laughs> well, and a female motorcyclist. And I'd like you to go check that out because I couldn't have put it better myself if I had like talked to her first and then tried to write something up. So We'll get a chance to hear from Michelle in person, in depth, about who she is, what she does, and why she loves riding and racing so much. And, well, as a special bonus right up front, I'd like to offer up a few things that you're not going to hear in the interview, but that Michelle and I went over. First of all, let me just tell you, she's rock and roll, and she likes to get straight to the point. Here's Michelle on getting started.
1: Can we just go like straight to pants shitting?
0: Hey man, absolutely. And from pants shitting to what to say to a guy who's trying to pick up on you because you ride a motorcycle, we kind of cover it all. So here's a top 5. I'm going to call this number 1. Steve and I were talking about dating.
1: Girls um tend to meet guys like that too. Like if they see girls with motorbikes, the guys kind of come out of the woodwork and they're really something else. Definitely interesting characters.
0: And to those characters, you could say something like, Hey, hey, dude, I'd, I've wheelied bikes harder than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good myself. The second one I'm going to call uh, the Markowitz riding style. I asked Michelle to briefly sum up her riding style or you know, her riding experiences. and This is what she had to say.
1: Oh, man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour and my fingers were coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic.
0: <clears throat> Indeed. So, if you ever wonder what it's like to hang out with a female racer, now you know. Steve and I also talked about butts. I think Steve took an issue with how long I watched a butt video. Ain't nobody going to tell me how long I can watch a butt video. Listen in. I didn't watch the whole five minutes because I'm not that <laughs> desperate to see a butt jiggling. Just but four was, minutes and 45 seconds? Four, four and a half minutes and... Hey. Four and a half minutes, who cares if it was five-minute-long video and I watched four and a half minutes of it. It was a butt jiggling. Number four I'm going to call, How Hot is Hot? I like the way that Michelle thinks, or Steve. Uh, she thinks kind of outside the box, and the way she was measuring heat blew me away. Let's hear her alternative to Fahrenheit.
1: It was still hot as blazes, and it yeah. wouldn't even cool off till late.
0: How hot are blazes?
1: Um, I would say... <laughs> 7,000. <season. laughs> okay.
0: Okay, hot as blazes means it's Can you
1: seven. can you measure temperature in joules?
0: Wow. Only a science nerd could have pulled a jewel out of their hat. I was thoroughly impressed. And on this last this fifth and final point I want to make, uh I think Mich- Michelle or Steve was just trying to be pretty humble. Um Steve is pretty tall has a lion's mane for hair um, you know I thought Steve looks just fine but here's what Steve had to say about herself yeah. you know
1: after this interview I sound like a fat hairy bearded slob uh
0: no comment and with no further ado let's get into the interview with my special guest we're here <laughs> with Steve McNowitz <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with Michelle Mankowitz from the great white north of Wisconsin are you from Waukesha too from close by there from where are you from Waukesha Waukesha
1: like is that like the city name of the girl singer
0: <laughs> yeah was,
1: it's Waukesha Wau- yeah just Waukesha,
0: Waukesha. Yeah, I, I I was drinking when Chris told me the right pronunciation. Have you
1: ever seen Have you ever seen Wayne's World? Yeah. So in Wayne's World, he uh, Alice Cooper is talking about the funny names. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the good <laughs> yeah. land. <laughs> yeah, you know it's all these uh, Native American Indian names here. So however you say it, I think we're fine with it.
0: All right. Are you from there? Are you from that one place that will remain unnamed?
1: I'm from the W land in Wisconsin. Yes, the W city in Wisconsin.
0: Okay. <laughs> There's only one, so people will not know wherever you're from.
1: That's it. There's so, just one.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is an impromptu question I wrote down uh, today. With with two shows in one week, do you feel like you're going to start needing a like a talent manager to... <laughs> Like start booking your appearances.
1: <laughs> no, nah, you know, I did make a list for myself of my weekly goings on that all revolve around racing, ironically enough, and hung it in my kitchen. <laughs> so oh, I think wow. that's as far as, uh, we're going for like agent status over here.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> how many, what, how many things you got going on in one week or in this week?
1: Um, well, I mean, like, I just, I kind of put some work stuff on there too, just Things that I needed to remember in terms of my classes and things. But um, I talked to Teresa's garage yesterday. We're chatting tonight. Uh, racetrack was last night. And then I'm going to be at the track for something completely unmotorbike motorbike related tomorrow. And watermelon eating better... contest? <laughs> it's a hot dog eating contest.
0: Well, yeah, you got like a full schedule. You are going to need a manager, at least for your personal life, if not your uh, appearances. <laughs> So I know, I know Teresa's garage pretty much, um, covered it, but for anybody that wasn't listening yesterday, which is probably the whole town of, um, Waukesha, what (laughs) do you do for a living?
1: I am a teacher. So I went to college, um, here in Wisconsin at a university that's in the same town where I live right now. And I just ended up liking the town so much. So I stayed but I went to school for education and I double minored in language arts and social studies. So I taught in a very traditional public classroom setting for five years. And then I had this opportunity to go work for a place that has indoor skydiving. And I teach physics using a vertical wind tunnel now. So I teach grades two through freshman in college, physics, grade level appropriate obviously, using this giant machine. So it's totally different. It's really cool. It's something very untraditional, which is very me. But I'm I'm transitioning back into a normal classroom.
0: Right. Do you ever mess up and accidentally teach like the college kids second grade physics and they just don't get it
1: (laughs) yeah I'm like here adults who are very smart let's make parachutes (laughs) you know every (laughs) once in a while though we'll have the um like more advanced students do things like make parachutes like the elementary school kids would just to kind of see um well I mean they're interested and then they get all excited about it so we let them do it just because they engineer some really neat stuff So it's kind of fun like that. And it lends to good conversation about physics. So yeah, we run with it.
0: Yeah, actually that's pretty cool because in my my wife is an educator also and language arts and a lot of times social studies is a huge thing. It's funny though that like math, she loves math. And I don't know that many women who love math to be honest Mm -hmm. and that are mathematicians. So that's actually kind of cool that, I mean, physics is like, the sciences in general is kind of a weak field for women to be in. So it's pretty I think that's pretty cool. Sure. And obviously and motorcycle racing as well. You're kind of covering a couple bases here that aren't traditional for ladies yeah. to be in.
1: Yeah, I mean like well, and I'm sure your wife can attest to it. STEM education is huge right now. So science, technology, engineering, and math, and that's how we manage to tie everything in together with the wind tunnel and education and everything is aligned with the common core next generation science standards. So it's all tied in. I differentiate to the curriculum that's going on in the classrooms, so it's legit. It's pretty cool. Um it, It'd be nice yeah. to see more girls, obviously, involved in women in math and science.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if I, if I got to go to a wind tunnel for school, I think I would have paid attention more.
1: I also. know. <laughs> I know, you know, I'm 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 pretty much an unconventional teacher like teachers nowadays are encouraged to find different avenues to teach because students all learn differently and there is no such thing as just like a pencil and worksheet anymore. So, being able to do these neat things like that, you know, I've always kind of been finding a different route to get kids engaged and keep them interested, so this is right at my alley. It's pretty yeah. neat.
0: Uh, do you ever use motorcycle racing as an example? I mean, I, I don't know how specific it is what you're teaching, but do you ever use like your your bike to teach a lesson or, or vice versa?
1: Yes. Um, I did a lot when I was in a traditional classroom setting um, in math when I was teaching just general ed for like fifth grade and below. But even now, I equate things – with the wind tunnel to racing or to motorcycles because of horsepower. So we talk about like the horsepower with the fans and what 350 horsepower per fan means to a student is not the same as if I were to say have you ever seen a motorcycle. Right. And motorcycles typically as loud as they are as fast as they are only put out x amount of horsepower. So, yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of parallels and there are a lot of ways for me to make connections for the kids to understand it a little bit better
0: that's awesome um do you ride your bike to work i per, did uh, when weather I, permitting
1: <laughs> oh yeah when i was so i live in wisconsin and teach in illinois
0: oh wow! so okay.
1: my commute is between like 102 and 110 miles um one way so uphill both
0: ways in, in the snow
1: <laughs> i put snow tires on the bikes yeah <laughs> Um, so I don't get a chance to ride the bikes and I mean, it's just, there's not such a safe place to keep the bikes. Um, and I just, you know, I've seen the videos where it takes 10 seconds to steal a motorcycle. And I just don't want to take that chance, especially in the Chicago area. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there've just been, and it's not, you know, it's not like a knock to Chicago directly, but there are a lot of pages, especially living here in the Midwest. There are a lot of pages and things like that, that I follow on social media. And you read so often about bikes getting ripped off and people putting out, you know, their own APBs for their bikes and you know, they're gone. So it's, I mean, my bike is an extension of me. Both of them are, and there's no way I could ever, ever risk anything happening to either of them.
0: Yeah. Especially when you've sunk at least $50 into it, which I'm sure.
1: (laughs) You know, anything (laughs) above 20 for me. And I'm like, all right.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> so we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here because um, I really want to know how I, I, okay, you you did an excellent job of chronicling on um in an email how you got your start. But for people that can't read, which is probably most people that listen to my show, <laughs> 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 um, how did you actually get started in in riding and and how did motorcycles get introduced into your life?
1: I grew up around cars primarily, never racing, nothing racing or anything like that. But my dad was always the one to work on the cars in the family. And he had me underneath the car with him when I was four and he'd change oil at the house and stuff. And, um, you know, I was always interested in the mechanics and how things worked. And I had a strawberry shortcake big wheel when I was a kid. (laughs) So my dad was working on the car and he gave me my own little toolbox, but it was a real tools of his. And so I was, quote unquote, working on my big wheel, and I managed to get it all apart. And the unfortunate thing that I learned from that was that sometimes when things come apart, they're not meant to be taken apart and can't be reassembled. So that following garbage day, my big wheel was at the curb.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. It's yeah. such
1: a sad story. I've never gotten another big wheel since.
0: Uh, I'm sure you were crushed. Um, <laughs>
1: So I grew up around cars primarily. Um, and then I was introduced to motorcycles. I was always interested in them, and I thought they were really cool and you know, people that rode them and everything, but didn't know anybody that rode them as regular as um, my buddy Chris, who I met 13 years ago, nitrous Chris I'm, And he always rode and raced. And I'd go to the track and stop in at the garage every now and again and ask a bunch of questions and was super interested and it was a fall day in 2009 and chris and i and a bunch of our buddies are all standing around hanging out it was a sunday and they are giving me such a hard time chris and i went everywhere together on what's now his drag bike his super cool drag bike but it used to be really stock so i would ride as passenger on that we'd go everywhere you know super chilly weather bundle up head out nice warm days um And I I remember a time we were out on a country road, not too far from home here, and I had asked him for so long, you know, what is it like at the track when you launch a bike? What is it like? What does it feel like? So he's like, you know, all right, here's what we're going to do. So he had me hold on tight. And he's like, "Um, I'm going to launch it as hard as I can, knowing that you're on the back and knowing that we're on the street like this. (laughs) So I'm on the back. He launches it. You know, we take off for just a short bit and I am like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I was supposed to racing myself. So um, fast forward to that fall day, everybody was giving me a hard time. So one of our buddies, um, you know, in his own funny guy way, kind of very bluntly said that I was going to learn how to ride that day. And he got his wife's Suzuki Savage out of the garage, which is, it kind of looks like a sportster. And they set me up in the middle of this rural uh, road, two lane road. And all my instructions were to go straight to the end of the street and stop. And you know, they said the clutch will save you, here are the brakes. And I got to the end of the block and put my directional on, and I (laughs) turned the corner. And I made it all the way around the block. And I think Chris was the only one that was really concerned. The rest of them were like, she's gone. She, so, she's in
0: and, Illinois right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he came and met up with me and was like, oh my gosh. And so we practiced rode around a golf course nearby the rest of that day. And then oh, started looking for my bike, <laughs> you know, and I found yeah. it not too long after at a dealership. And I started racing a few months after that. And that's been it.
0: And at least you didn't peewee her it and like just, you know, take <laughs> off and cartwheel a couple right? hundred, hundred feet later. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Um, now aside from motorcycling, I mean, we'll get into motorcycling because I'm sure there's, you know, nothing more you love more than motorcycling based solely on the emails that you sent. So <laughs> other other than motorcycling, which you seem to kind of like just a little bit, what little, other hob- yeah, a little bit. What other hobbies do you have?
1: I spend a lot of my time outside of anything motorcycle related is uh cooking and baking and just you know anything ag- active like working out hiking um anything outside especially but those would be like the two time consumers like anything physical anything active and then cooking and baking
0: <laughs> yeah have you ever thought of starting your own um like food truck to take to the take to the races
1: okay so here is this brilliant idea that i came up with so <laughs> oh. there was this giant white it looked like a giant white ice cream truck with no windows on it sitting at a dealership by my house for the longest time and i remember chris and i were eating lunch across the street from there one day and i said it would be awesome if we would buy that and we can totally set it up so we can haul the bikes and have all the tools and then i'm gonna sell baked goods out of it at the track So we're going to keep all the racers fed and we can still race. I still think it's a brilliant idea, but I don't think like, you know, the health department would be too cool about cans of gas next to bags of flour or anything like that.
0: (laughs) I don't know. You would probably be surprised what you could get away with. Actually, you might be, uh, that might not be such a bad idea. (laughs) That's what I was thinking too, because here you have this huge, like roach coach and I couldn't think of a better toy hauler and you know, (laughs) Flip up the beds and it's like the stove, you know? Yeah, no, that'd be awesome, especially with your fabbing skills and stuff. I'm sure you guys could figure it out.
1: I think it would be perfect. I'm still down to try it.
0: Dude, there's your retirement. Like, you could just (laughs) quit now and just go racing and food trucking around the country for the rest of your life, so.
1: If there's some way that I could incorporate the two, I mean, really, there's so, you know, there's so much life to live yet. If there was a way that I could make a living combining like cooking and or baking and anything with racing. Perfect. That'd be the life.
0: That is, you know what? And being a teacher, like just being like outgoing, you know, personality, it seems like you have a cooking show future. Maybe, you know, now uh-uh. that you're getting, now that you're getting like a manager for all your appearances and all that stuff, I, <laughs> you know, I could see a 10 year plan for you being on the cooking channel. Uh,
1: we'll have to call them up. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no, I, I actually saw a bunch of stuff um, now that I'm like Facebook connected where everybody's talking about pies and stuff like that that you're cooking. And I thought, man, like it's not it must not just be, hey, look, my friend cooked a pie. It's it's looked like, hey, my friend that like makes these pies like made a pie <laughs> or one of our famous pies. And I was thinking, wow, you must be like into cooking. So apparently that is, you know, one of your actual like a hobby, not just something that you do when you have a spare time, right?
1: I have caught wind of the Wisconsin State Fair having a culinary contest. And I didn't know that it was open to anybody, like anybody that enjoys baking and cooking to some extent could enter. And so I researched it a little bit more and found out that there are all these different categories and you know, rules to file and all these things, but anybody can enter it. So I entered it and three for three years, I placed with things that I baked. I won a blue ribbon for the state Mm -hmm. of Wisconsin for my oatmeal raisin cookies. Um, I got fourth place for my chocolate chip cookies, which is like, I guess it's apparently their toughest competition category. So I was pretty proud of that. And then uh, my cupcakes, my cupcakes are like the number one that I usually end up taking to the track with me and um, decorating with some sort of message on top of them that everybody is usually vying for once we get there.
0: <laughs> Rad. Dude, that's awesome. So let's see. I have chef, teacher, <laughs> cook, racer, yes. and now personality racing personality is there anything that you suck at
1: nope i'm really great at everything
0: (laughs) (laughs) out of all the yeah let's let's not talk let's just talk pies let's make this the pie creative piding there we go
1: yes (laughs)
0: um getting back into motorcycles um what do you own what have you on like what was your first bike
1: my first bike is a 2005 Suzuki GSXR 600 and I still have that bike. I'll never ever get rid of it. And it's like I f- okay. I just it just occurred to me after I finished with this latest, I guess, build part B or C with my blue bike that the movie Christine makes so much more sense to me now than it ever did before. Like, I'm not saying my bikes are evil. However, I totally understand that they take on a personality, and it's almost like they're a, they're a person or a living thing. So I'll never, ever get rid of my black bike. And so that's my 600. And then I also own a 2006 Suzuki Hayabusa. And that's my primary race bike. I also ride it on the street a bit, but <clears throat> excuse me, not so much now as I did before, but that too, I really never felt super connected to it. And for a little while I was thinking of maybe finding something else. Cause I really like Chris's bike, but after really Chris gets my vision and, and gets what I wanted to do with the BUSA. And so he helped come up with a plan for how to make that happen. And it wasn't until we were almost done with everything and it truly happened. Once the bike was back down, you know, on all twos and outside (laughs) (laughs) in the sun for me to take some pictures of it that I really got to see it a step back and see how different it was. And I started it up and I took her for a rip down the road. And at that moment, I was like, this is a different animal and I'm totally in love. Like, I'll never, ever get rid of that bike either. So Chris yeah. and I joke that we're going to have this museum of motorcycles because <laughs> we'll <laughs> yeah. never get rid of anything again.
0: So at this point in the interview, I had some questions for Steve slash Michelle, and I was asking her about her busa and I had showed her like some shitty image that I found off of Google Images. And here's what she had to say about booses. So I was going to ask you, like most boosters that you see are either like crazy Florida, look like a transformer, like yes. that one, you know, that look, that looked like some crazy OCC choppers got a hold of a boosa. But yeah. either that or um, they look, you know, like, I don't know, there's just a certain type of big husky dude on him so it's like it's funny to say that you you know you have you totally don't fit the Hayabusa stereotype stereotypical rider do you get that a lot when people are like hey what do you ride like a rebel and you're just like uh dude let me tell you what I ride
1: I'm like I'm on a 250
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no you know 250 per cylinder right
1: (laughs) you know everybody starts somewhere and I don't know that I necessarily would have sought out Abusa um, if the whole situation with this one wasn't as perfect as it it was. Um, I knew that Chris was working on it as a build for somebody else, and he had even let me kind of get my hands in the motor when it was up on his bench. And the bike came up for sale, and I knew that Chris had worked on it and I knew what he had all done to it. And it seemed like a safe bet. Because so many people think that they're bike builders or mechanics or whatever else and end up screwing up something more than they, you know, are making it better. And then you don't really know what you end up with. And I just didn't want to be in that predicament. So I scooped this one up, you know, at the first opportunity. And that's how I ended up with it. And there were definitely times when I'm like, holy cow! I'm way in over my head, and <laughs> but you know, I just I had to believe in myself and believe in my abilities and know that I was riding that bike. It wasn't going to take me for a ride. So,
0: yeah, hell, that's tough for me to do sometimes. You know, even on even on some two fifties that I've ridden, they've uh, definitely got away from me. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely that's cool that you have like you not only have like a confidence but i mean that you are piloting this thing down a drag strip at who knows Mach 5000 right <laughs> so yeah I, I think that's that's awesome um what okay so you've only had these two bikes do you have a favorite one and do, if you do maybe you don't if i mean you alluded to christine maybe you don't want to say it out loud you know Just they're not here win. they
1: can't hear me okay <laughs> Um, I think I'm, I'm a like now that I kind of made, it sounds so funny and some people might not get it, but now that I've made the connection with my Busa, who I call blue until she earns a better name, um, I've, you know, I've gotten that connection with the blue bike and they're both so different. Like my black 600 is my first bike. So obviously that holds a different kind of place uh but that's also I've only been in one wreck and it was on the 600 and just all the time that it took to get it back to good and then truly rebuild it over winter and come back out on it stronger the next season it's just something completely different than you know having a bike and slowly making it your own like I have with the blue bike
0: yeah that's that's pretty good i mean you're going to um you would make a great mom just because it's kind of like asking what your favorite kid is. You answered adequately. <laughs> they're, they're both, I love them both in their own different way. Um, you know, the the crazy thing is, is that you, you like doubled displacement pretty much more, right? Cause boosters are 1300s, right?
1: 13. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, you know? but I had a, I had a nice gateway, um, with Chris's bike. So I was, I was kind of growing out of the 600 and, Chris was generous enough to let me use his bike for quite a big chunk of a whole season and to just kind of get the feel of what it was like to be on something that was a little bit more built and a whole lot faster. And, you know, he had confidence in me and he's a great coach. And I knew that I was in good hands and I slowly stepped it up. And then, so that was on his built 1000. And then, so I went from the 600 to the 1000. And then I had ridden a couple busas, which are 1300s at the track, just other people's. And then I really got into racing mine. So it wasn't just 600 to 1300. There were plenty of times in between there um, to kind of get a feel for something a whole lot bigger and more powerful.
0: What was it like from your perspective to kind of master racing or like even go like I'm sure your first run if you can remember that um describe that as compared to like when you first knew you were advancing or when you first felt that you were like making gains or whatever you know what I mean like let's I, let's let's go back in a time machine to your very first run I'm sure you were like pooping your pants and like butterflies <laughs> in the stomach
1: sort of thing <laughs> we joke about the nervous poops but like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of uh that's to the wayside. And now it's just like mega butterflies and sweaty palms mm-hmm. about the extent of it. But my first pass ever was in April of 2010. And, um, What was the I, day like? Do you remember? It was a cooler day. And I remember being in like jeans and Nikes with a long sleeve shirt, had my leather on and Chris and I and a friend of ours, um, rode three up in his single cab, chevy lowered chevy with my bike on a single place open trailer down to the track and for i don't know how long before i was picking his brain and i'm like i can't do this he's like shut up yes you can (laughs) shut
0: up you're gonna do it you're gonna be
1: fine i'll be right there with you and um i was you know i went down the track my very first time in helmet gloves leather jacket jeans and nike's (laughs) <laughs> and um <laughs> so they you know, like
0: they didn't check for like over the over the ankle boot or anything no, right? was it just like no. uh, was it just like a drag night it wasn't like uh it
1: was it was just you know and they're supposed to and like if you I I don't know if it's like a certain time you have to have all the gear but I mean I went through tech my bike passed tech and everything but I don't know if they weren't too concerned with my shoes or I don't know what yeah. but um yeah Maybe- I made my first
0: Maybe they thought you were going to go back. Oh, she, she's going to go gear up after, uh, <laughs> after she passes. <laughs> yeah, and tech. here
1: she is on the track in jeans. Um, but I, I remember making the first pass, and I was super nervous, so no burnouts. I hadn't gone through the Nitrous Crisp Burnout School yet, and it was just get up. To
0: <laughs> which
1: is another story.
0: <laughs> Have you graduated um, that school yet?
1: I did. You I did, yeah.
0: Degree?
1: It was good. Uh-huh um <laughs> so i uh i made my first pass and you know everything was good and he was like all right so i came back and i'm always open for feedback and constructive criticism and he said you know just kind of like string out the string out the shifts a little bit longer like let the, let let it wind out a little bit more before you shift and so next pass i get up there and that pass we actually have on Uh, It's recorded and it's on my YouTube. You can hear him laughing, and he's like, Yeah. And he's laughing about it because I got after it, you know, and it was a good pass. And from then on, I was absolutely hooked. Um, Right. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, it's like last night was the first night at the track for this season. And the nerves weren't so much there just because I was super excited. And I think I've spent so much time with the bike and I've talked so much about racing and, it's just like ramped up so much already for the season that it felt like it already started. I just hadn't been on a bike there yet. So, and now last you've got uh,
0: Yeah. Now you've got three seasons under your belt, right? So <laughs> is that right? Three three
1: plus, well, this is my, I'm going into my seventh season now.
0: Oh, okay. Oh wait. Okay. Yeah. So I, I measured years and seasons wrong, I think.
1: No. So, um, my first season was 2010. That's the, yeah, okay. This oh, the yes, very first yes,
0: time.
1: 2010. Yeah, I mean, time flies. It feels like it was just yesterday. So. Yeah,
0: what year time- is it? Oh, my God, I thought I was doing this podcast in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
1: So, yeah, six. I was just thinking about this the other day when I was doing cardio, counting on my fingers. I'm like, this is the seventh, seventh season that I'm starting yeah. now. It's flown by.
0: Wow, seven seasons. And so, you know, have you seen a progression uh, in your – And you're now that you've graduated the night, you know, that sounds like such an infomercial too. like the late night, (laughs) the night just Chris burnout school is, you know, (laughs) five locations, one in Utah. Can
1: I tell you that story?
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's hear it.
1: Okay. So he, you know, I mean, that's the next, that's the next step in drag racing is you got to do a burnout get that tire nice and hot and sticky. Right. So we, (laughs) we did it. He tried to teach me the very first time in the most appropriate way possible. So we were out on a country road and <laughs> I had been asking for so long before, I'm like, Chris, how do I even get a burnout started if I don't have a water box? Because I had been around him enough at the track and he's like, we'll be fine. So he seriously brought a bottle of water, I'm pretty sure. And we're out on a country road and he it was-
0: He was just peeing behind you. He's like, <laughs> okay, look forward. You heard water splashing and then when you didn't see a water bottle, you should have thought something was up. <laughs>
1: I didn't want to. I didn't want to add that detail, but you're absolutely correct. Right. <laughs> These are Chris's antics. So it was a beautiful, warm, sunny day, and he thought that I was ready, but I think in my in my gut, I didn't feel ready, and I had myself too scared. Mm-hmm. And I tried a little bit, and it just wasn't working. So we just kind of let that go. Continued on with the ride for the day, and then it was a little while later, not too much later, we were out for another ride and swung through a um industrial park late one night and that's when i became a graduate of said burnout school <laughs> um i was successful awesome. <laughs> that too was <is> on video
0: Right. <laughs> you so, know what yeah. is what is awesome is that you know let's go back like 30 years ago even and people didn't you know have cell phones and even cam you know recording cameras were freaking this big and they ran on film pretty much I think it's awesome that you have documented all this stuff and you're going to have it, you know, until the day you're like 193. And it's so cool. It's cool that you got all your first stuff and you still have it because I'll never forget my first burnout. Thank God it was in the private, in private, because, um, (laughs) let's just say I looped it and did not go so well.
1: (laughs) Oh man.
0: On a two stroke. I should have, you know, yeah, that Uh, was not, not fun, but yeah, no. So I understand like, at least you had like fear in your brain. I was just like, Hey, I know how to do this. No, I don't. (laughs) So, but yeah, that's,
1: that's, I think that's the, that's the difference between guys and girls. Guys are just like, screw it. Here we go. You know, and hope for the best and usually get hurt. And girls think through stuff a little bit more sometimes.
0: Yeah. We usually, we're like, we're so monkey see, monkey do. We usually learn from pain where girls actually learn through progression, which is a much better way to learn. If you ask me, because you get all the (laughs) rudimentary stuff under your belt as well. You don't just, right. I've talked a lot
1: with, I've talked a lot with my friends about, you know, how, how important and how neat it is to have firsts on film, whether it be, well, it's not really film anymore, but whether it's like recorded digitally or, you know, it's a audio or visual recording either way. But yeah, exactly. You got a guy cranking the camera as you're going by. It's neat to have those things for sure. Um, I, with being working for a wind tunnel, I'm around a lot of skydivers and know a lot of skydivers, and that's a big one for people to have their first sub. So, like I did, I've done a skydive and I've got that to you know on film to look back at. And um, I do regret because it's such a, it's such a media heavy society now. I did um, my first scuba dive last year and it was so beautiful, but we didn't have any cameras. We could have had a GoPro with us and right. just didn't, but that's, so that's a regret that I have. So everything else, it's like, I'll be around with cameras all the time. Chris's all the time. It's just neat to have.
0: Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. I'm going to, I added scuba dive scuba to your list, and your little, um, I'm making a resume for you. So. <laughs> I um, think found yeah.
1: my agent. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I will uh, book. You'll be on a couple shows uh, next week. Speaking of media and media being everywhere and everything nowadays, there's a couple things I wanted to ask you just because um, I've seen your Facebook page and I've seen pictures of you. You appear to be pretty tall, but you also appear to be uh, pretty humble. I mean, there's, I guess what I'm getting at is that, that I love seeing pictures of you popping wheelies, you know, <laughs> off the line. And I love seeing pictures like Chris takes things where he's pictures on your, on your uh, Facebook page of places you've been. I don't see, uh, un, not to be sexist, because I don't see many of Chris. his bikini either but i don't see any (laughs) any pictures of you in like booty shorts like riding in the (laughs) desert showing your tattoos and it's so funny because i feel like every it pisses me off because i have a little girl and i have a wife and you know being into motorcycles and being around stuff like that um they're bound to see it someday where you see all these girls nowadays i feel like they're riding to pump up their Instagram fame because and they don't have like shit on they have like gloves and like a shitty fucking bubble visor and then they're just like booty shorts and a tank top um and I was just thinking how cool it is to see a chick geared up actually popping a wheelie not just cruising on like some shitty you know cafe racer du jour you know what I mean so my question is like what's why aren't you like that, I guess? And what is your opinion of that sort of stuff?
1: I think honestly, it goes back to my, like to answer your question, very honestly, without any hesitation, it goes back to my parents. And they raised me to have more self-worth and self-respect, I think. And so that's where it started. And then it's just, I know what i love to do i know what i enjoy doing and i don't give a shit what other people think about that and i think the people that are just like out there skin to win totally flaunting themselves without really any um i guess foundation behind it they're just hungry for attention and that's not it's just not me
0: yeah you know and guys guys too i mean I don't know if that's why I never seen pictures of Chris in his bikini. Um, maybe it's for different reasons because <laughs> on some of his pictures he seems to have no self respect. But we'll just, we'll just assume it's for different reasons.
1: You know the and, uh, the companies that sell gear and sell you know clothing with the brand name on it or whatever else. People are more interested in wrapping a brand or getting quote unquote sponsored or whatever else instead of wearing it for safety. Like I wear, um, I kind of fell into finding Scorpion EXO. So they're out of Southern California and they truly are the only company that I found that made women's drag pants that I could wear at the track that were comfortable and cut for a girl that didn't cost a small fortune. And my first pair is just about wore out and I was super fortunate to find this chick that was selling her set on eBay and it was like a jacket and pants and I didn't need the jacket. And I asked her if she would split up the auction and she did. So I've got like a backup set of pants, but if I'm going to be at the track, I want something that's going to save my skin because you know, if I, I did go the only time that I wrecked was at the track. I went down and my leather saved me, you know, Mm. I was bruised up beyond belief, but I had my gear on and my gear caught the brunt of it. You know, it was scraped up and stuff. And even when I'm on the street, people don't see motorcycles. As mainstream as they are, as much as they're around, people just don't see them. And there's a very high chance, high likelihood that something could happen and I could be taken out. And it's the hell if I'm going to be caught without my helmet, without my jacket, without my gloves and everything that I need to ride safely. So I don't do it for you know, the notoriety or to be insta-famous or whatever else. I do it because I like my skin on my body the way it is. <laughs> right.
0: Right. No, and and actually, um, I was going to ask you, how tall are you? Because you seem pretty tall. Five-eight. Five-eight. So you're pretty tall for – I mean, that's a good size. You're a good size Wisconsin lady. Um <laughs>
1: I'm healthy.
0: <laughs> You're healthy. You're a corn-fed Wisconsin girl if I ever met one. So,
1: <laughs> we have to have the meat on us in the winter.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, but that's kind of taller. Just because it. I was going to say, if there's one thing I've noticed, and I've actually bagged on it in a couple episodes, is that for tall women or taller women, if you don't have like a short inseam, and you're not like I don't know. It's it's weird. It's almost like a little man, like a little skinny bat. You know, like yes. nothing fits. And yeah. I've read about it, and and I listen to um, the uh, the gear chick. She has a the motorific podcast, and it's two ladies. So it's really nice hearing them talk about gear because they'll tell you, dude, you will not find pants and a jacket. They're either for like big boobs and big butts or like no boobs, no butts. And sometimes you're a mixture and, or you're tall, like you, five, eight is pretty tall for, to find like, like you said, women's pants that are, that are going to also fit with like your jacket. I mean, you probably, I could imagine what a nightmare it was to find something that actually like fit, you know,
1: I'm actually looking for a new jacket right now. Cause if you look at any picture Um, where I'm at the track in my black jacket, there's a gap between my pants and my jacket a Mm -hmm. few inches. So I've always got my shirts tucked in and everything, but it's like, it's hard to find a jacket that is long enough, you know, Mm. and like appropriate for racing and also going to protect you. You know, a lot of companies make stuff to look cool, you know, and it kills me. These people that you see cruising around with a jacket on and all their hair gel in and their helmet hanging off the back of their bike.
0: Like, oh, is there no, I mean? yeah. Is there no helmet law in Wisconsin?
1: No. And there's not in Illinois either. And I tell you like the, I, tra- I travel the highway between Wisconsin, the interstate between Wisconsin and Illinois several times a week. And I've kept count. It's been seven. There's been seven bikes so far. One of them was a group of three and they are just in and out of traffic. And it's just, you know, it's like, it happened again this morning. Traffic's super tight. They're cutting lanes. You can't split lanes here. And it's just, they're, it's stupid. They're doing it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they're the, you know, the vast majority of people, are pretty well safe, but it's the few dummies like that that are just breaking rules that totally stand out, that give the rest of the people doing the right thing a bad name or a bad rap.
0: I don't like people who give other people a bad rap. So we're going to jump out of the interview real fast and get into a little bit of news before we get too far into this thing. And uh, it was kind of nice to have somebody here to do the news with me. Honey's been here before uh, doing the news live in the studio, but this is the first time a guest has stuck around to do the news with me. So please uh, hang out while Steve and I do the news together. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm here with uh, Steve McNawitz, and we're gonna do a little bit of news. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Miss McNaw, Mc- Um, So, first <laughs> off, on the news is sidecars, and the reason I wanted to bring up sidecars is because, like the choppers and the street trackers, right now have replaced cafe racers as the du jour bike fad. Uh, keep your eyes on the horizon for sidecars. Bike Exif just featured a sidecar or two recently on all of the interwebs, and they've been slowly sneaking on to more and more of the utilian, utilitarian three-wheelers into the posts. And my predictions are that the next trend will be sidecars, then 80s sports-slash-race bikes, and then movie bikes, like Street Hawk. Did you ever see Street Hawk when you were a kid? Well, no. You might be a little I'm – pr- I'm probably a little older than you. I'm uh 123. I'm a vampire, so I uh, I'm actually 343. So I've seen all the movies, but um, <laughs> no, yeah, it was a, it was an '80s show, and I think it was like a ninja, like one of the first ninjas, maybe a katana even or something like that. And it was totally rad. He was like this futuristic um, biker guy, but Battlestar Galactica had all these crummy like XT200s in them. So I think after all the hipsters have like gone through all these you know, building custom trends. They're just going to go to like big, crazy, like Bosa Soku style body kits and stuff on these bikes that like are totally non-functional, non-sequitur bikes. (laughs) But, um, but the sidecar thing, I really am serious. I've heard more and more. If you've, if you've been on like all the hipster stuff lately, it's like bikes with like surfboard racks and now like, I've seen just a ton of sidecars popping up. I think sidecars, I'm calling it right now. They're the next, they're going to replace Choppers. Um, I'm going to give it two more seasons at Born Free for Choppers. And then we're going to see sidecars, maybe even Harley Chopper sidecars. Whoa. Yeah. Wouldn't that be (laughs) funny? Um, In flat track news, in two weeks, the AMA flat track series is going to be heading to the Arizona mile. And the Phoenix venue hasn't been raced in 30 years. So along with Austin, the AMA seems to be revisiting some, I'm going to call them re-emerging markets, uh, or places that the base may have waned over the past few years. And Brian Smith won the last mile in uh, the last event in 2015, that was a mile. And even though he's been working on his short game, uh, I'm looking for him to be a front runner in Arizona. And I don't know if you p- even pay attention to flat tracking, although it would be kind of cool to take your boosts sideways. I don't oh my know.
1: goodness. <laughs> Dr- Drift the bitch. How cool would right. that
0: be? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh It's actually pretty fun. I, I did it at the fair last year in San Diego and there was a guy on an R6. We were in the all street class, um, you know, street tires only. Well, they said street tires only, but I'm going to tell you, there were some guys with some street bikes that had like DT1 dirt tracker tires on there, but the R6 guy, he was looking around and he was like, I guarantee you I have the most fucking horsepower here, like easily. And I was like, oh yeah, dude, but good luck getting it to the ground. And he, I mean, it was just funny. He was like riding on pie. It looked so funny. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, so Arizona is coming up and I noticed that too. I don't know if it, here's the thing with flat track and with racing in general, I don't know how the logistics work. It seems like it would cost just as much money to go somewhere that's never had racing before and have to like do all the infrastructure work to get it ready to race. Although flat track, you just really need a flat arena and a water truck. Mm -hmm. Um, or if it's more, uh, cost effective because in those markets, it doesn't, you know, it's cheap. I'm, I'm wondering if that's why they went to Austin. I'm wondering if that's where they're going back to Phoenix is because right now it's pretty dirt cheap and there's no fan base there. And flat tracking has been with the advent of the hooligan class, it's really been gaining popularity. So I, I think right now is the time to set the hook in a lot of these little markets and potentially have like new and exciting venues and get motorcycle racing back in the limelight. You know what I mean?
1: There was a pop-up flat track event here in Milwaukee in, I want to say it was February at one of the arenas and it was so huge and so popular that they had to open up a lot of the seats that they had closed off that just weren't like ideal for a great viewing area, but they had to open them up. You know, I mean, they managed to do it. They managed to make it work and people loved it. So hopefully it'll be back again next year, but I, I can see why they're kind of popping up in areas like that for sure. It's easy to yeah. do and it draws interest.
0: And that was in Milwaukee, you say?
1: Yeah, in Milwaukee. Um for it coincided with like the Mama Tried bike show.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I think I I think that was the Soda Track. Some of the guys here from Socal went up there for that. Um that I follow and I've, you know, watched them race and stuff. Um yeah, it seems like Milwaukee and especially with Harley uh being former you know, they, they dominated flat track forever and board racing and all that stuff. It seems like they would be, you know, that's prime country, prime territory for that. So it's, it's weird that there's, I can't think of anything that's up there that they go to. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, maybe they'll, maybe there will be now, you know, maybe we'll see. If Hopefully some, it's
1: at least an annual event. At yeah. least
0: And you guys should take your, take your bikes to the street class. If they have a hooligan event there.
1: You're getting the wheels turning over here <laughs>
0: <laughs> nothing like putting 800 horsepowers down into, a you know, a drag tire on some dirt.
1: <laughs> 800. So. Yep. Yep. You got it. <laughs> I, hey,
0: I know the score. I know what you're running in there. So
1: that's right. You um, do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, maybe I was only supposed to say 180 because, uh, for your compat- <laughs> um, star also, um, In the news, Yamaha folded the star into its regular motorcycle site and the manufacturer will join Honda Suzuki and most other manufacturers that make cruisers uh, in rolling its bikes out under one roof. And although the story that I saw broke on asphalt and rubber, I think they quoted motorcycle.com on theirs, but I already noticed it as could anyone else. When I visited the site a couple of weeks ago, Um, I I do motorcycle technical data for a living. So I'm always checking the OE sites and I noticed that they didn't have the star banner there anymore. So if you visit the site, the cruisers still say star cruiser line on the product pages, but obviously there's not a separate star site devoted to them anymore. So it's sort of the same thing that Toyota did with Scion and, you know, GM did with Saturn. They just, they roll the models back in under the, parent name and my question is on the star bikes right now the tanks and stuff still say star on the side they have their own special medallions so I'm wondering if now that they're not going to be their own separate line if Yamaha is going to roll those back into um, change the have to change the decals and all that stuff that's been established now for the past few years um, this might be of interest to you international female ride day is May 7th 2016 And if you go to motorist.com, I'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, She's promoting International Female Ride Day by offering free printable flyers that you can tape to your windscreen or your, you know, if you got gear or even to your back or to your head. If there's no helmet law, just tape that right on your head. Um, (laughs) The Omoto Cafe here in Pasadena is having a bike meetup on Saturday to commemorate it. And on the motorists website, it was really cool. There was an article featuring Shreya Sunder Iyer, who, AKA Steve, we're just going to call everyone Steve on this podcast. It's going to be awesome. That's
1: cool. Yeah. It, it's um. A, keep it across the board. The same. Yeah.
0: Less Thanks, confusion. Steve. That's a good idea. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks. Steve. Um, So at 24, Steve is shaking up India's motoculture by being the first woman rider on the TVS rally team. It's like an Indian national racing rally. And she was also the first woman to ride across the Dubai dunes. And she's also ridden across like extensive parts of India, including parts of the Himalayas alone. And so she's, you know, India is kind of a uh, scooter and small motorcycle culture, but it's definitely one of those places where women. It's weird because India has this like duality where women are super powerful in politics and in the family, but in society they're still uh, seems stone age to me. You know what I mean? So it's pretty interesting, yeah. pretty cool that she's getting out there and doing that. She's been riding since she's seventeen, so she's already probably been like, you know, castigated. I'm not sure. Is that even a word? Castigated? I'll look it up. I'll it's edit it this. Yeah. She's been um, blastrified um, probably culturally. And then I'll just insert a word here in editing. That's, that's how the show works. <laughs> so, uh, I make myself sound smart in post-editing. It's great. That's perfect. So, yeah. And the problem is is I like, usually sound dumber, which is uh, really hard to do.
1: No way. So, uh-uh.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what, sound dumber? <laughs> no, possible.
1: I said you cannot. You cannot sound dumber. Oh, okay. No, there's no sounding dumb here
0: right um so the last bit of news that i have is ebr racing which is also sort of in your neck of the woods it is uh, yeah eric buell has partnered with splitlath racing for the 2016 Superbike season and splitlath right now they raced ebr uh 1190 rs i believe in the um uh, macau grand prix and the isle of man um over the past couple of years back when ebr was you know healthy at the time and now they're back on board with the ebr uh now the ebr has begun production again and as far as i could tell split is based out of hong kong and they mostly participate in like the pan asian series and a bunch of um like pacific asian race series but they plan to expand possibly back to the usa for a Moto America venture if prospects open up and depending on how EBR does, which who I do in one more year, who knows where EBR will actually be. So we'll see. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that EBR does well, but I'm not hundred percent sure. He, he has not garnered a bunch of faith. I think even in fans of EBR. So, And then the last one I left, I left open for you. I don't know if you can see there's an empty spot there. If you want to, um, is there any news going on in Waukesha that you want to talk about?
1: (laughs) I don't know about actual news that's going on. It's nice to have the racing season starting up and, um, the, in the racing world, the biggest no prep street race, King of Streets is happening in, I think it's like 38 days or something wild like that. So that's always a big one to look forward to. Yeah, Let me coming see. soon. Days. Yeah, to a
0: town near us. Um, thirty-eight what? days. That's like when the Isle of Man starts. So it's either Isle of Man or King of the Streets.
1: That's, That's a good one. Tough. Um, we're really excited. The uh, our racing series at Wisconsin International Raceway starts tomorrow night. That's the first at the Real Street Drags event. So there's a top ten list. So Chris and I and eight other people are defending our our spots on this list, and that starts tomorrow night. In wow, northern Wisconsin, great. in Kakana, Wisconsin. I
0: okay, I'll write one. that down. Okay. All right. Well, that's the news with Steve McNowitz and Steve, the producer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the race to WIR is a Friday. I keep thinking today's Thursday. It's, Friday, it's this coming Friday.
0: Uh, that's okay, because I thought that it was 2011, earlier in the interview. So we'll give her that it was Thursday, Friday, not Thursday. So that was the news. Back to the interviews there's something i wanted to ask you about um regarding you know not regarding racing but regarding uh like your personal when you're not geared up during the season and when you're not geared up for, like when your brain is not on focused on like racing and, and um winning and all that great stuff and baking what is your favorite ride to do like motorcycle related ride
1: um, I, there's not one destination, but, uh, what we do, what's cool about social media is a lot of links will pop up about, you know, the top 10 restaurants, top 10, it's almost like a small hole in the wall of restaurants so that you need to visit in this state or, um, just different destinations that are kind of abandoned or something like that. And those are the links that I always save. I'll read, I'll save, I'll share them with Chris and, you know, even other people. And that is what makes our list grow so rapidly. So a lot of time, a lot of time when we're not racing is spent just on adventure rides, leisure rides. And that could be anything from throw a few things in a tank bag or in a backpack. And we might be gone till the end of the day or tomorrow morning. Or it's like, hey, let's ride, you know, a couple hundred miles for lunch, round trip, and that's our ride. So there's never really one set destination. There's never really one set direction either. Um, Obviously, to the east of us, we've got Lake Michigan. But only to get to mainland Michigan, around through Illinois, it's maybe an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. So it's not crazy even to get over to Michigan. So... No right. destination it, is okay. off off limits, and and neither is a mileage either.
0: Yeah, are you guys on an island there, uh, Wisconsin Island or something?
1: No. So, um, if you if you pretend that your left hand knuckle side up is Wisconsin, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're looking at yeah. <laughs> We are below, like down below your thumb knuckle, like right above your wrist. So mm, okay. your thumb would be uh, Green Bay, which is a bay area in Door County.
0: I'm left-handed, so, we- so this is going to be hard to mark where you are with my right hand.
1: A little, Yeah, a little bit lower, but yeah, your thumb is going to be a peninsula. <laughs> yep, there <Okay>. you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many different places to go. And there have been quite a few memorable rides so far.
0: That so really none- started
1: with nothing planned, specifically. Right.
0: right. You know, that's sometimes how the best adventures begin, is just with no plan. Sometimes that's why it's in adventures, because you don't have a plan and, oops, shit goes wrong and adventure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, our, our first ride for this season kind of turned into a bit of an adventure because the battery and my bike didn't want to cooperate and took a shit. Um, like 20 minutes from our destination and so we at that point we're already an hour and a half from home or an hour and some change from home so I was left at a truck stop as Chris ran off to grab me a battery and I was hoping that I didn't turn into an episode of Dateline <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> so
1: he got back battery back in the bike safe and sound there were some uh, fuel light issues with his bike and so uh, you know we managed to make that stop for fuel, get everything going again, but I mean, those are the good stories. Those are the good stories to tell. yeah, usually, our rides start with a direction, and that's about it. Not so much a destination,
0: yeah, so have you, you so basically to sum up uh, a lot of those words that you said, um no favorites, just every ride is its own.
1: They really we can do the same, yeah, everyone is different. We can do the same exact route twice and it won't be the same at all because we'll stop and check out different things or link up with different riders. And there's always something different about it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, are there any rides that you regularly attend? I guess for you guys, it might not be rides. So I guess for you guys, it would probably be races.
1: There are a lot of races, but there are a lot of, uh, rides. We don't necessarily do like the organized rides that there are, but, um, there'll be bike nights Um, like the, there's, uh, it's called the Iron Horse Hotel and they have a bike night every Thursday, I want to say, and every week is a different theme. So that's something to go check out and check out different bikes and, you know, all the different people that go with it. There are a lot of like local sport bike nights. There are local gear shops that have bike nights. So we kind of ride with, um, a few of the same people often. You know, it's nice to ride with people that you're familiar with, people that, you know, are going to be safe and are as adventurous as you are. And so we link up with those same people often, but, you know, we'll go out and bomb around and just kind of check out rides here and there or different groups, see what's up, see what's happening. It's fun to do.
0: Cool. Cool. Um, Do you, have you ever gone on the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride and just like tucked your hair up in your helmet and faked it?
1: (laughs) No, and I don't know what that is. Can you, can you tell me more? (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh well down here in SoCal, it's for every moustachioed and bearded dude, uh I'm I always want to say hipsters, but I'm kinda getting away from bagging on hipsters so much. But it was it started out as a prostate awareness uh ride, but you dressed up like a, you know, I don't know, a dandy from the early twenties or early teens, I guess, and rode your motorcycle with your you know, handlebar mustache around town and then you know raised money for prostate cancer awareness that's actually a good it's a good cause I didn't shouldn't talk shit about it but it just became such a reason for everybody to start buying beard wax and like it's the whole reason why if you go to IMS <laughs> there's like Flo's Barbershop now and they sell like beard wax and shit it's because like this whole I don't know Raleigh fingers or uh like pugilist look came in so, you know Raleigh know
1: Fingers what... was a brewer, Milwaukee brewer, right?
0: Yeah. Oh boy, do I.
1: Yeah, there him we go. And, him and
0: that fucking mustache of his. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he played for our baseball team here, heck yeah. <laughs> so are you saying yeah, all you I know, have to, all I have to do is grow a beard and a fancy mustache and I'm
0: in? Yeah, pretty much. Probably, you might have to, um, yeah, i probably just tuck your hair up. You, you know, <laughs> right I don't even think you'd have to shave what you got right now. You're, you're looking pretty good.
1: Let's just let it uh, flow in the wind. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You know, after
1: this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. <laughs> I know.
0: I will. I'll edit it down because <laughs> people are going to go to your, your page and go like, "What the fuck was he talking about?" Because you're tall <laughs> and skinny. You know. Um, <laughs> that's the fun. Isn't that the fun of it, though? Dude.
1: Yes, yeah, to paint some like crazy image.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole reason I do this show. But if it's you want awesome. me to ed- if you want me to edit it out, I can edit. No, it no,
1: no, no, no. It's so hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um I can also edit it to where I can edit out that last sentence so that you say, I am a fat bearded slob. <laughs> <laughs> When you're racing, having your hair that you do, it looks like it's a mix between like a lion's mane and like a Paul, what's nice. I'm trying to say something nice here, like a Paul Mitchell salon um, advertisement. (laughs) How do you manage that? Like after a day of racing, do you just feel like you just want to go home and shave your head because it's like a tangly mess?
1: Never. I mean, usually usually I'll braid it, but like last night it was just in a ponytail out of the back of my helmet. And it's amazing what nine passes, the havoc that it can wreak on long hair. So it was a very conditioner-heavy morning today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a mullet. So I know, I know how that goes. Um, regarding your travel history, it sounds like you've gone on a bunch of really awesome local to you adventures um even if they're a few hundred miles if there's any place that you've been that you could revisit or any place that you've never been um where would it be so I guess I guess you're gonna have to pick would you revisit somewhere or go somewhere new
1: somewhere new for sure um I'm very content with the visits that I've done the rides that I've done and you know, there's just so many places that I don't want to go back to someplace until I've seen everything else that I want to see, which may never happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, to do, to do a ride out west is like my dream ride. And there's so many maps and links that you see about like the perfect ride throughout the United States, 48 states, that would be something amazing to do. And just like head out west and then go south. And you know, it's like probably, I would say on a bike, if I would go straight west and south, I think like Louisiana would be the most east that I'd want to go before I started heading home. I don't know how I feel about east coast riding, but I definitely want to do like west and south for sure.
0: So if you ever do come out west, uh, make sure you hit California because oh yeah, we've got the ocean and the dunes the mountains and you know the plains pretty much all within especially here in Socal within the same day if you yeah. uh, i think motorcyclists.com did that they rode from the beach up to the mount up to the snow they said sand to snow and they did it in one day and it's literally if you were to do that you could wake up at the morning in the beach go to bed at night up uh, in the snow it's they're they're only about four hours apart. It's pretty funny.
1: That's so cool. I was just out there, um, last spring and stayed in San Fran and then drove Mm. up to the Redwoods. And that was like, I think like a four hour drive, maybe one way. I don't know if that sounds right, but that, I mean, there were a ton of,
0: yeah, there's Redwoods. Yeah. San Francisco is a pretty amazing place. There's Redwoods actually South and North of it. And I think West, if you drive like down the down the one. Yeah, that, okay. it's just inundated with redwoods up there. It's so beautiful. I love that part of California just because yeah. it's a little bit cooler. It's a little bit foggier up there. And um, it's like here, the sea, the ocean, you know, it's flat to the ocean. There's a big basin. So there's houses up to the beach. But there, the forest literally comes down to the sea, and you will see waves breaking up next to these big, you know, redwoods and the elephant That's seals so- like – crossing the highway. It's so amazing up there. Uh, Did you ride? Did you ride? When you no, there?
1: no, I didn't. I, I didn't, I didn't have a plan. My plan, my plan was to come out and my plan it included a plane ticket and wanting to go see Alcatraz and wanting to see the trees. And that was it. I didn't have yeah. a place to stay arranged or anything. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of like fly by the seat of my pants. It was one of the coolest trips I've ever done, but definitely being able to be on a bike in California is like, Top of my list.
0: Mm-hmm. It'll probably from, kill you. It'll probably that? kill you. It'll probably kill you. To be honest, but that is a good dream to have.
1: I heard the yeah. traffic's pretty pretty ruthless out there.
0: Yeah. Is Did you true? experience? It? Yeah, in San Francisco and LA and San Diego, I'm gonna say, and probably like Sacramento, are probably like the worst places for for traffic. And then. In the Central Coast, since it's mostly agricultural, you kind of get away from it. But any any big city, oh, my God, at, like, 5 o'clock, just forget it, especially here in, here in L.A. Uh, my wife is so mad. We Her family lives in San Diego. And if I were to get off, I have done it before. I've got off at noon on Friday from work so we could drive down and beat the rush hour traffic. But rush hour on Friday starts at around 10 o'clock a.m. Wow. Yeah, my friend uh, is in a jazz band, and he was playing um, down at the Steve Allen Theater down kind of like east of downtown, and I was driving through downtown to get there, and the 101, you know, world-famous 101 goes right through the middle of downtown, and the 110 and all that stuff, like all the freeways meet, like right by downtown, and it was... I was splitting lanes to get there at like seven o'clock to see his performance. And then it went from like seven to midnight or something. Then we hung out. And so I was heading home at like 1230 or one in the morning thinking, dude, you know, it's late. I better get home and fucking bumper to bumper traffic through Ooh. downtown. And I was like, yeah. And so every time I've gone downtown, it, it, it's similar to like New York. It's like the part of the city that never sleeps. There was this bumper to bumper traffic, no matter what time I've gone through there. That's why splitting lanes is so good because of the population density. It wouldn't make sense to live here if there wasn't. And I know I've started to overheat before my body. You know what I mean? Cause I'm a, yeah. you know, I wear all the gear all the time and I got, even in mesh gear, it's like it's, when it's when it's a hundred degrees out, it's a hundred degrees. There's no getting around that. You know what I mean? Yeah, when
1: you're on your bike. That's running between yeah. like 175, 200 tops, yeah. hopefully. And it's yeah, it's super hot.
0: Yeah. So I need it the, there.
1: It just doesn't the, make much sense here.
0: Yeah. To have it. Yeah, I I've, I've uh, all my bikes are air cooled too. So I mean, you got to, if you're stopping, the heat's coming up and then mm-hmm. the road heat and the car motors, you're sitting like, you know, around cars sucking up all the exhaust. So it totally makes sense to keep moving and it's like like stroke inducing if you don't. You know, if you stop, yeah. it's just like, oh my god, what's happening? You know, I'm going to dehydrate just sitting here. And uh yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to move um even at like 10 miles an hour cutting through cars, you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. you're doing 60 while cars are stopped that's crazy but i mean even at 10 miles an hour you have a breeze you know what i mean so yeah it's totally uh if you ever come and have to drive in the traffic be prepared to split so hey another thing i want to hear about is uh your crash but i want to know have you had how many crashes have you had
1: that's it just one and it was at the track my very first year racing amazing so it was a Combination of uh track conditions and my inexperience, and it was a hard lesson learned. Um, I was racing one night and I was in borrowed leather pants. I was borrowing a guy friend's leather pants because I hadn't had my own yet, had the rest of my own gear, and was making passes, and I wasn't yet doing burnouts at the track, which is super helpful, but I wasn't yet doing burnouts, and there was an oil down by a car.
0: Okay. Hey, and everybody, she, she said that she borrowed a guy's leather pants, but she's a tall, skinny girl, despite what we said earlier, in case <laughs> I don't get to edit that out, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> she had to wear like Bubba's pants to go down the track.
1: Not Bubba's. No, no. Um, so it was just, it was, there was an oil down with a car and it took quite a while for the track to actually clean it up so the track temperature had gone down and i wasn't yet doing burnouts and then there was my inexperience at the track to understand or know um just kind of like instinctively how to correct something and i launched the bike and it started to head toward the wall and then it hooked and i was going straight for just a moment and then it spun again and sent me straight left into the tree. So there's this huge into concrete. Into the tree? Into the, yeah. Oh. Into the, yeah. Into the tree on the track.
0: That's, yeah, like the timing track. I get it. I was like, yeah, a tree? Yeah, that close so to the tree? I was, was trying to figure happened. out where the fuck a tree was going to be on the track. I was like,
1: really? We do some really neat racing around <laughs> No
0: <kidding. here. laughs> Wisconsin woods racing. the lights, like, yeah. the,
1: the light, the light yeah, tree yeah, yeah. on a big concrete block. And I ended up moving the block with my body. And I was out for just a few seconds. My bike kind of helicoptered down the track and it looked like somebody stuffed some dynamite in it and set it off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I went and got checked out and nothing was broken. I tore some ligaments in my arm and, um, I was fine. All my gear was fine. The bike was another story. So, um, Chris helped get that all loaded up and before he came over and met me at the hospital and, Um, and then I didn't see my bike until that next day. I really wanted to go see it. So I had to go to a follow-up doctor appointment to make sure my bones were fine. (laughs) Dude,
0: a true racer. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) And then,
1: uh, you know, my dad always taught me that if you take care of your machines, they'll take care of you. And I really wanted to go see my bike, went and saw it the next day. And it wasn't until then, like even post crash, everything else at the hospital, doing all that stupid stuff that it wasn't until I was at the shop and saw my bike that I started to cry because I felt bad for what I did to it. And so right. my dad always said, you take care of your stuff. And here I was like, I didn't need to be racing. And um, but it was a pretty good learning experience. And, you know, I've been in similar predicaments since, but you know, now I get how to handle it. So
0: yeah. all is it well like since you then.
1: Got,
0: you got out of got the out group, the but super early. Cause I mean, explain you can explain for people how the tree you know like yeah you pass that thing unless you don't i guess <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean so it's, it's, it sounds like it happened pretty fast then like it you, happened
1: totally fast like yeah. i wasn't i wasn't even maybe i don't know like 10 15 20 feet
0: from right. the starting
1: line and so there were there are two grooves obviously you know just like the tires make and i was in the left groove of the right hand lane and it was just a bad combination of things. But thankfully, that's been my only wreck. And I've always been super safe on the streets and safe with the tracks since then, thankfully. so.
0: Yeah, geez. Learning experience Maybe.
1: for sure.
0: Yeah. Did you red light? <laughs> oh! They're, they're like, <laughs> you the, you're like, the they, tree.
1: They stopped the show for a little bit, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Having to move a big-ass concrete block back and get some... Poor lady off the track, dude. Jeez. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, my God. Yeah, no, I could totally understand. Um, usually the first thing a uh, true rider will do is, you know, is my bike okay? Even if your friend eats shit, is his bike okay? Yeah. Is he okay? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's it's the like,
1: succession, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And no crashes on the street or anything, huh?
1: No, never. I mean, like, oh, I learned... Great. I think I learned, I never took the safety class, like they offer safety classes here and you go through, you know, a ride or safety course for a few days or whatever. But um, I think for some people it's necessary for myself and those that, you know, believed in my riding abilities and just my know-how and common sense that that wasn't necessarily the route that I needed to go. And that's why the DMV here offers all of the materials to study for and be able to Take the written test, get your temps, and then they let you take the formal road course on your bike. So I did everything legally, and I did everything the right way. Um, you know, it was just a little bit different way than most people do. And you know, through that and just listening to people that have been riding way longer than I have, I knew I knew quite a bit before I started riding what to and not to do. Yeah. So,
0: and then, so you, I mean, you
1: learn as you go. You pay attention. You got your wits about you, and you're fine.
0: Yeah, sounds like you had a pretty good coach and a good friend in Nitrous Chris. It's funny because he seems like uh, he's kind of ubiquitous within your group of friends, you know what I mean? So, so Steve, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Michelle, if, uh, so if people want to look you up and like find out about this American badass, uh, where can they do it?
1: I'm on Facebook as Michelle Mankowitz, not Steve Markowicz. <laughs> and then I'm also on Instagram as Drag Bike Girl, but it's spelled D-R-G-B-Y-K-G-I-R-L. So yeah, find me there and shoot me a message and tell me about your adventures and what you're up to at the track. I'm down for that.
0: You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're a teacher and you spelled Drag Bike Girl that way. Oh, it's so <laughs> <D-O-G. and trendy. laughs> Okay. All right. So yeah, excellent. And then um her address is 4393 Sherman Way if you uh <laughs> want to <laughs> mail her a package, mail her some boosa parts. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. This has been super fantastic hanging out and talking with a Wisconsin legend. And
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're too kind. It's been a blast being on with you and Creative Writing and I love what you do for the sport as a whole it's super awesome and we appreciate it here in Wisconsin
0: yeah thanks no Wisconsin is definitely the only place I have real fans so <laughs> it's important to me to, up here. yeah it's important to me to talk to um you know people from there to find out what's going on I'll probably move there when I get kicked out of California for like talking shit about hipsters so
1: well you're not gonna uh, be able to go to Florida either
0: <laughs> oh I don't want to go to Florida <laughs>
1: Wisconsin will welcome you with open arms. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and hopefully some uh, pie and cupcakes from what I hear. So,
1: Well, that and we'll have to present you with the customary beer and cheese curds that are squeaky.
0: Oh, God, that sounds disgusting. I mean, good. That sounds great. All right, Michelle. Well, thanks for coming on. It's been a a blast talking with you. And uh, we hope to catch up with you maybe later during the season.
1: Sounds good. Thank you, producer guy.
0: All right, thanks. Have a good Uh, one. You too. Hey, and I'm out. All right, everybody. So that was episode 24, The Great Steve Cast. I hope you enjoyed every minute of it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Michelle. um, It was so great to talk to her. And just again, you know, just solidified in my mind what a great place and what a great community they must have up there tucked away around the hand-shaped state of Wisconsin. So, uh, if you want to get in touch you know, with uh, Michelle, check her out on Facebook there is a write up on creative writing about her and I'll put some more up I usually do it with each episode of the podcast so since there's already an existing one, uh, look for another one to come out to coincide with this so having said that uh, I'm going to leave you with a sign off that Chris Sing sent in and it was for the female uh, writers out there to commemorate this wonderful event and uh it was keep your eggs above the pegs yeah it does need some work chris you're right you were right but i went with it at this time creative writing would like to apologize to the following the state of florida although we didn't hear much about it in the interview she and i talked about florida at length and what a crazy shithole that place is so apologies florida you may or may not be a crazy shithole My apologies to the Steve Allen Theater. You are, in fact, slightly west of downtown, if my memory serves correctly. I think I might have said east. Uh, Also, apologies to L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, and any major city within California. Uh, Waukesha. I got it. I got that, Michelle. Kesha. Uh Uh-huh. I get it. She does not live in Waukesha because that's not a town name. It's Waukesha. So, I'm sorry to the town of Waukesha, Milwaukee, In uh, any other town in Wisconsin, which I may have erroneously pronounced. And most of all, uh, a big, big sorry to Chris Singsheim, his bikini, and Michelle Mankiewicz. Anybody named Steve Markowicz, Steve Makowitz, or anything else. Sorry to all Steves out there. And hey, don't forget, this weekend is International Female Ride Day. By the time this goes out, it may be the actual date. So if you're hearing this and it's Saturday, get your ass on a bike. All right peace. Wisconsin, uh, from an outsider point of view, looks like the place to be.
1: I think I remember them being through the ditches a couple times.
0: Now I have a mullet, see, and I'm 343 pounds. It's all
1: real though, no extensions or anything like that. I told you the, the last technology that Chris used was the Telegraph.
0: Hardly anybody's heard of Reno.
1: She was explaining to me that there's like two major towns in Nevada and it's either Vegas or Reno. There's just
0: nothing. Like you just ride out your front door. Have
1: you ever sat on a bike, sat on a bike, not even riding it, but sat on a bike with flip-flops on and tried to shift.
0: The rest, like the rest of the 10 minute long video, I was just thinking... Dude, that's a nice butt to, like, totally tear off. Make a fucking motorcycle, dude. I don't make trucker hats.
1: Like, there's Ghost and there's Habanero. But can we just go, like, straight to pants shitting?